You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Welcome to Afternoon Cyber Tea. I'm your host, Ann Johnson, with Microsoft. On Afternoon Cyber Tea, we speak with cybersecurity thought leaders and industry influencers about what is shaping the cyber landscape and what should be top of mind for the C-suite and other key decision makers. Today, I'm speaking with Jane Franklin about AI and cybersecurity, the capabilities and vulnerabilities of chatbots, and the importance of including diverse perspectives in security organizations. Jane is the world's authority on attracting and retaining women in cybersecurity. Thank you so much, Jane, for joining me today. Thank you, Anne. It's really good to be here. So I know we're going to have a great discussion, but first, can you talk a little bit about your background, particularly your views on emerging technologies such as AI, which of course could accelerate business growth, but it also introduces potential risks into a company infrastructure. And while you talk about it, can we also hear about how women cybersecurity leaders can guide the development of AI? So it's it's quite interesting, actually, because my route into security, you know, whether it's information security, IT security, or or cybersecurity, probably wasn't that conventional. So I got into it um, in 1997. I've got an arts background, so I've actually got a degree in woven textile design uh, from one of the universities in, in the UK. And I fell pregnant after graduating, got a job. It ended up in sales, something that I really didn't think that I wanted to do, especially having an arts background, and then ended up starting a tech company. And in those days, really, especially with me being a bit of a, a Luddite, it was a bit ironic. The only two things that really interested me were security and AI. And AI at that time, you know, when starting a company, was very, very new. So really looking at it, it wasn't an option, but security was. And at that point in time, I thought it sounded so interesting, especially knowing nothing about it. You know, to me, it kind of it just sounded really cool. You know, it was a little bit like, and I kind of cringe when I say this, but a, a bit like James Bond. And so... I started this company, built it, you know, didn't really have much of a clue, but looked at books, you know, read books, you know, connected and, and met with people and got it off the ground with a business part, you know, really quite quickly. And I owned that for 16 years and we specialized in, um, specialized in security, but we niched down into penetration testing or, or hacking. So for me, kind of looking at, you know, where we are now with security and AI, it's just like, oh my God, you know, I'm so excited about the developments that are happening. And technology is speeding up. So the further along we go, the faster things move. And I like change. So I love change. I don't talk about disruption really, but I talk about transformation and progression and all the wonderful things that can come from it. And I think the interesting thing about being in security, and this, I was at a, I was at a, a conference facilitating a panel on uh, balancing innovation and security the other day. And uh, for me, it's really being able to see what's coming down the line, you know, when, when we look at technology, but actually with security eyes. So you've got all of the excitement, and then you can look at it and kind of go, oh my goodness, you know, these are the risks. And some of those risks can also be quite exciting because you can engage your creative brain and think, well, actually, this can happen. They could do that, which when you're in security, in order 
to do, in my opinion, to do a good job of it, you've got to be able to think, you know, like both a, a defender, you know, an attacker and also a defender. I think it's really interesting that you came into um, cybersecurity without any background, right? And you actually built and led a successful company for 16 years. I, I, that's a story that needs to be told. And the other thing is you, you honed in on the need to think like an attacker. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, well, I think the beauty of starting a company in your 20s, which is what you know I did, was that you really don't have that much of a clue in the you know, the world is your oyster. You don't have any baggage. So you also don't have that much to, to risk. You know, for me, I did, I was renting a property. I was a single parent, you know, so I did have, you know, one child. But the risks for you in terms of it not working are much lower. And also you don't really understand them. When you start a company, when you're in your maybe 30s, but definitely 40s and 50s, you've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> you've got a lot of um, baggage, you know, around you. You've usually got families and mortgages and things like that. So the stakes are much, um, you know, for me, I see the stakes as being much higher. So for me, kind of coming into the industry uh, from a non-traditional background, in those days, it kind of was quite normal. You know, a lot of people who are my age are very diverse. You know, we've evolved with security because security was new then. It was evolving. So we were much more open in terms of who we let in and how it evolved, and we, we grew with it. Nowadays, it's a little bit different. But the other thing also that I wanted to say was, I like spotting patterns, and this is something that I think, you know, particularly when we look at, you know, women and the gender differences, women are highly intuitive, um, they've got, you know, high emotional intelligence and things like that, but we are very good at spotting patterns. You know, we see risk in a different way, and there have been loads of studies around this. So for me, whilst I wasn't out there being a security consultant, you know, I was much more responsible for driving the business forward. So direction and selling and marketing and the operations of, of the business um, and hiring staff and things like that. It really helps, you know, when you can actually look at things from that adversarial, you know, perspective. So as a an attacker and also as an, a def defender, and I think women in particular are very good at doing this. Yeah, I find that a lot of the work we do is very nuanced in cybersecurity. It's not as binary as you may think. So I think that ability to really look across things and, and into it, um, into them, it, it's such a helpful background. You may may or may not know that my degree is actually in political science, so also not the most natural path into cybersecurity. Well, let's turn our attention back to AI and talk a little bit about chatbots. Can you first kind of educate the audience about, you know, how does the C-suite think about chatbots and their business applications before we actually start talking about artificial intelligence and security risks? Yeah, well, I think according to stats and things like that, I think, you know, when I kind of looked at the research, 80% of companies want to have some type of chat box, you know, implemented. That's what they're saying. And by 2020, and I think it's something like 69% of consumers prefer chat box for quick communication with brands. Garner as well are also saying that, you know, the engagement, you know, is going to grow. So this is, this is coming. So naturally, the C-suite are aware of this and are interested in it. And I think also because they help us to do our, they help us to do our work better. And I'll talk about this in a, probably in a few more minutes. 
But they just, you know, we've got speed to market, which is vital in businesses. We can gather more information, more intelligence. You know, we can upskill. There are so many advantages um, that can come from using this type of technology. And as a result, you know, the the C-suite are interested. They know it's coming and they're keen to to know more. Brilliant. When I talk to customers, the other thing that they key on is the ease, obviously, of setup. And you mentioned that time to market. Mm -hmm. But of course, typically when you have is you, you start to think about security concerns, right? And you want things yeah. to still be easy, but you want them to be secure. So can you talk a little bit about securing chatbots and recommendations and things that customers should think about when they're bringing chatbots online? Yeah, well, I think just like, um, certainly just like any new technology, you've got to kind of look at, you know, you've got to look at that at the advantages and disadvantages for it. So I think when anyone is really beginning with this type of to, uh, technology, then they've got to look at, you know, really kind of, you know, what are they doing? They've got to go and they've got to look at, you know, the objective. What is what is the mission? So they've got to look at, they've got to interview the user base and find out what information, you know, they're actually going to be, you know, what they're actually going to be doing with it, what information they're going to be storing on it, where it's going to be held, you know, um, and so so on. Certainly when it comes to things like um, the risks, then really the security concerns fall into two categories. They fall into the category of threats, you know, and that's really kind of, you know, events such as spoofing, so using someone else's credentials or tampering, you know, maliciously changing data, uh, repudiation, so performing illegal actions, um, information disclosure and data theft, denial of service, um, elevation of privileges, and so on. And um, so that's definitely one kind of category that they've got to look at. And then they've got to look at the vulnerability side side of things as well. And that really is, you know, looking at, you know, where they can become compromised, you know, where they are weak in, in terms of, of the systems, and then looking to really embed security into the whole process as early as possible. So, you know, implementing secure design lifecycle um, activities, you know, something that certainly we've been speaking about for a long, long time. So the more that they can look at it from that perspective, the better they are going to they're going to do. Can you talk about how chatbots fit in to a company's full-fledged AI strategy? So, you know, we're thinking about bringing them to markets, contemplating the security risks, but do you find that companies actually have an all-up strategy and chatbots are just a small part of it? Or do you think they're running ahead with chatbots and the rest of their strategy is following along? I do. Uh, well, I, th- I think it, it, var- it varies. You're always going to get some companies that are much more up-to-date and aware. But by and large, I think this, this technology is fairly new. So they are feeling their way out with it and looking for that guidance, you know, for, from us, you know, from, from security, you know, practitioners out, out there. So, yeah, that's, that's my view on it. it it's new. And they need that guidance from us. And I think what I heard you say is they're kind of leading their strategy with chatbots because they're probably the easiest thing to get to production right now in terms of, you know, having that type of AI capabilities in their company. Yes, 
absolutely. Let's talk about artificial intelligence and the need to have diverse people developing the tools and the engines and the methods so that we don't have bias. Can you give us a bit of your perspective on that? Yeah, well, getting, you know, certainly getting women into the industry. So from a security and AI perspective is just imperative. You know, we know the benefits of having women in business, you know, so profits increase, revenue increases, uh, we are less biased, we do a better job of um, with our thinking and problem solving. Um, so that's, it's essential from, from that perspective. And certainly when we look at gender and, and also cultural differences as well, we know that uh, performance increases by about 35%. So when I'm talking to organizations about this, you know, usually I'll say, can you afford, you know, to miss that opportunity? Because it, it's, it's a strategy, you know, so it's not, it's not a case of, we want to do the right thing here, in my opinion, yes, it, you know, it is, but really it's strategically good for business. And I think for us, when we are talking about, about this and really driving it home and implementing that change, you've got to look at it from a business perspective. And also, we've got, also we've got to be able to measure it. And I know that, you know, even though we're in the industry that we're in, we're in a technical industry, we're not necessarily being as thorough as we could be, you know, when it comes to actually measuring well, measuring the data or even doing the data in, in the first place. So it really helps with business performance. And in security, we, we need that because, you know, the attacks are coming, they're getting more sophisticated. And equally, they're also a lot of the same attacks that we have already, you know, been, been used to for the last few years. So when I'm looking at this, you know, I'm looking at it from that perspective of, well, something has to change and we are, you know, we're looking at technology, but we need that diversity of thinking. And when we know that women see risk in a different way, then we have to bring them in to what we're doing. Do you have any guidance for our listeners to talk about how they bring women in, all the way from how they craft their job openings to how they go recruit women to how they talk to them and really get them interested in joining their company versus other organizations or even in joining a government entity? Yeah, I mean, it's, well, there are, you know, as I go into in the book, the book contains loads of information, but um, we have to look at awareness, you know, and we have to look at who we're targeting. So we have different kind of uh, profiles um, of women, and I'll talk about profiles of women that we want to bring into the industry. So say if we're going and we're targeting young girls, so we're looking, there's a lot of talk about going into schools, getting into schools, and getting um, girls more interested in STEM type sub subjects. I don't typically tend to talk about STEM. I tend to talk about STEAM and the A stands for the arts. You know, it's my background. It's many people's backgrounds. We need that diversity of, of thinking and um, it benefits us as an industry. So when we're going into schools and we are reaching out to, to women, a lot of the research out there has um, more suggests that actually you can go in as men and women. You don't have to go in as a woman and reach out to women. Um, so what matters in those types of situations are that you are enthusiastic and passionate and you can get across, you know, what the industry is and you can effectively, I would say, pitch, pitch it to them. So it's not imperative that we get women going in and pitching to to either young girls or older girls. 
But when they come into the workplace, what is important is we have role models. So we need the women to be there, to be visible at all stages of their career so other women in the workplace can actually um, see that uh, there are roots and progression in, in industry for them. So the awareness side is is really massively important. And the other thing also is we have a lot of women coming into or showing an interest in our industry when they might be switching careers. So they might be in their 20s, late 20s or 30s or maybe even 40s. And what I'm seeing right now is um, a real problem with really um, satisfying that group. So we're doing a great job of the awareness. This is a dynamic almost future-proofed, if you can actually use that word, industry to, to be in. And when we've got women who have incredible skills, whether that's coming from tech or HR or legal or auditing or something completely not related, uh, we're not necessarily harnessing that talent and helping them to move into our industry as fast as possible and, and leveraging of, of the skills that, that they have. So we have, I know that we have an issue when it comes to um, the recruitment side um, and building on, on that awareness. Yeah, you know, at Jane and Microsoft, we're focused a lot on bringing in diverse talent, but I can tell you that we find that bringing folks in is just one part of the challenge. Um, the other part is actually creating an inclusive environment to give them the space to bring their whole authentic self to work and also, yeah. you know, drive it, teaching inclusive behaviors. Can, can you talk a little about that? And I know, I, I know you cover some of this in your book, but just give us a teaser to the book, right? Talk a little about how you think about that. Yeah, so when they do come into into the organization, really what we need to be doing is um, developing the talent and creating great working cultures, you know, that aren't just right for women. And this is something that I always say, you know, what's good for women is good for men too. So it's really about being very careful, again, about our messaging so that we're not alienating the men in our organizations um, and that we are not... Um, presenting ourselves as a threat with all of the emphasis that we are putting on women and bringing more gender diversity into the organization, but that we're actually bringing the men along with us. With us. And one of the, I was talking to um, a woman the other day and she said, well, why is there all this, inf you know, all this attention on the men and, and really, you know, why does it, why does it matter? You know, we've had experienced gender bias and things like that for so many years. Why is there this sensitivity ar around the guys, you know, and, and this particular topic? You know, why can't we just get on and do this? And it's, it's because for us to really evolve, we have to put them at, at ease. You know, we have to make sure that we are not putting up with the biases and that we are moving, I would say, stereotypes, you know, the traditional stereotypes that are associated, say, with women in tech on so that there isn't that natural presumption that you are a woman and maybe you're in marketing or a non-tech related field. Not that there's anything wrong in being in those fields, but it's just we want to make this normal for us so that it, it just becomes incredibly normal for you to presume that there is a woman or there is a female leader and she is completely competent, you know, in, in her technical knowledge and, and ability. So that to me is something that we need to really be mindful on, move it forward and also call it out, you know, when it, when it does happen. 
So in thinking about how we started the conversation talking about chatbots and you have those voice assistants and those type of things, it always occurs to me that they're women. <laughs> Just yeah. about every voice assistant. And I think that one of the things we can drive by bringing women to the workforce is even diversity around, right? How we think about who your virtual assistant is and what persona that shows up as, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and designing that. And of course, you know, the more women that we get into, you know, engineering or design and technology and security and, and AI, the more these things come out. Because if they're being designed by men, a lot of the time they're just working oblivious to them. It hasn't even occurred to them. You know, so having that ability to be able to set, um, which in some cases you can do, set the voice and set the gender of your the voice that is speaking to you is really beneficial, but we've got to we've got to understand about it in the first place, you know. And if we don't have the women in, then it increases our likelihood of missing things like that. But but interestingly, now, um, I was going to say when it comes to women's voices and things like that, you know, one thing that I heard was that one of the reasons why they use women's voices or you know, commands is because men are much more likely to actually take action. And this, I think this is particularly interesting, actually, with everything that we know, um, if a woman um, asks them to do something. That's fascinating. That's absolutely yes. fascinating. So let's I don't have... know if it comes back to the mother. I don't know if it comes back to the, to the mother, you know, telling, you know, their children, you know, to do things. But there has been research into that. I'm going to have to go off and read that. I will do. I will take that as an action from here. Wrapping up, we're getting close to wrapping up. Do you are you brave enough to make any predictions of how you think the workforce is going to change in terms of women's participation over the next five or ten years? Yes. <laughs> um, yes, I am. We are going to get so many more women into the industry. I don't know what those figures will be like. I mean, right now, there are some reports out there saying that we've got, I think, I think it was Forrester actually predicted that 20% of the Fortune 500 companies would have female CISOs in them. I, I don't know if it was the end of this year or next year. So we are increasing and we are doing a better job of, you know, of, of creating that awareness. And also, I think... You know, one thing that I'm really kind of leading is is in, well, encouraging women to become more vote, become more vocal, to get their voices out there and to be seen, so to be more visible, because then it establishes, you know, the you know the normality of things. And when we do that, then it make, makes women feel more welcomed and um, it more normal. So. I know that we are going to increase the numbers of, of women that we have in the industry. Right now, I think they're saying that there are anything, I think it's around about 24%. I think IC Squared put that out um, the other year that we have 24% of women in, in the industry. So we're almost um, at a tipping point. You know, when we reach 30%, then well and truly on our way. And we're not far off that. And I think one of the important things to do is really to keep building on the successes and, and even if they're small successes that we are having, because we are making progress, we are making progress. And so whenever we can, it's to, you know, certainly this is something that I do. It's about showing the progress that we are, are making, you know, so that we can get more women into the industry and importantly, staying in, staying in the industry. And for me, I don't mind how they stay in the industry, whether that's employees, you know, in organizations or as entrepreneurs you know like like me you know so they have to stay in our industry because we need we need them they bring so much 
I completely agree. And I will tell you that I, you know, having been in tech for 30 years, it's refreshing to go to meetings now and I'm not the only woman in the room, right? And there's multiple women yeah. and multiple people of color also. So it's, it's just a whole dimension of the industry is changing. And that, to your point, that is going to drive better solutions. Can't, candidly, it's going to drive, drive better technology because we're solving complex problems and we need diverse teams to do that. Absolutely. And I think also as we as women, we have to be supportive of one another. You know, I know people are people. People, but, you know, I strongly believe that there is a special place in hell for a woman who doesn't support another woman. And it really is about, um, you know, lifting, lifting another woman up, bringing them with you, nudging them, saying you can do it and you're going to do it. Come with me. You know, and it's that is so, so important because I think when we do see a lot of the time we're talking about, well, confidence can be thrown at us. So women need to be more like men. Women need to be more confident. Women need to speak up and things like that. But the way that I see that is that all comes down to risk. It's how we see risk. If we see a risky situation, then we're going to be more risk of us because we are highly intuitive when it comes to that. So, you know, it's our job to help women to feel less at risk, which we can do in, in the environments by creating psychological safety and making people happy. And what's good for women is good for men. So we all benefit and we get more innovation and better security solutions and practices, you know, in our industry to help us combat because we're never going to be able to, to get rid of the threats out there, but to help us combat more effectively, you know, the, you know, the, the cyber criminals and um, hackers out there. Jane, thank you for joining us. I think this is an incredibly important conversation where we started with a really heavy technical bent on artificial intelligence and chatbots and brought it to the humans, right? And at the end of the day, yeah. it's, it's a combination of technology and humans to have really great solutions, right? Anything else you want to add? I think that's it. I mean, it's, if there are listeners who are women and they're interested in coming into our industry, then, you know, get in, get in contact. You know, we, we want you in our industry. And I certainly, if, if the listeners want to contact me, I will do everything in my power to help them get into the industry. Absolutely the same. And I appreciate your commitment. And you are correct. We all need to be in this together. I want to thank you also to our listeners. And I hope you'll join us for the next podcast in the series. Take care. Please subscribe to Afternoon Cyber Tea on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One so you don't miss an episode. Make sure you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. Thank you for listening and join us next time for a new episode of Afternoon Cyber Tea with Ann Johnson of Microsoft. This week on the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Podcast, join us as we dig deep into the XZ backdoor with its finder, Andreas Freund, and senior security researcher, Thomas Rochia. Be sure to listen in and follow us at msthreatintelpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.